Yeah. Easiest way to make $2 million, $2.2 million in one day. The following audios they expressed opinions of the hosts and guests and do not reflect investment advice or recommendations of any kind. All funny jokes or just jokes, so don't get it twisted. And then that's how I was able to convince 35 strangers to just give me all their money. Uh, but it was crazy. It was a crazy day in Norway, but I'm glad to be back. So anyway, man, I'm, I'm happy and <laughs> excited to get on today's podcast. Here we go. I hope everyone got that story. Golly, that was a crazy, nice. crazy day. We should title the podcast after that one, honestly. I know. Yeah. Easiest way to make $2 million, $2.2 million in one day. So pretty interesting. But dude, recording this on the 25th of July, 11 straight days, almost 12 straight days of positive growth. That hasn't happened in over 22 years. Really? Uh-huh. Wow, that's interesting news. Has it yeah. two years? Uh, I know. Well, we, I mean, it was a tough May or beginning of May. And then from mid May to now, it's been pretty good growth. The SP 500, I mean, it's up 18.5%, something like that today, yeah. year to date. So, I mean, a lot of things clicking, but this is the big week. And we're releasing this pod <laughs> after the facts for the Federal Reserve meeting and notes and announcements that they make and then lots of earnings so my guess is it's like a little setback in the dow but we'll see what everything else does i don't know man oh, like, days, it's, it's, gonna have, it's, it's gonna be a, it's a it's a i was gonna say it's a good day to have a good day but on thursday is a good day to have a good day yes yes sure. yeah yeah but market sentiment can honestly take a big bump from today because you've got Microsoft and Google reporting today after the bell, which will be very telling. And they are in the S&P 500. They are in NASDAQ. Honestly, don't know if they're in the Dow. Who's in the they're, Dow? Uh, is Microsoft in the Dow? I don't know. I, I don't, I, I, I'm pretty positive Google is not in the Dow. Uh, but Microsoft could be. That's a good question. I don't know. I don't think so, though. Uh, simple Google search. It's so funny you start talking about the Dow, by the way, while you while you do that quick Google search, because I had in my compiled notes, and I don't remember why. It must have been from our last episode when I talked about moving from the Dow to the S&P. It's so crazy to think that in a span of 50 years, just 50 years ago, the Dow was at 380 maybe a little more than 50 years ago, but roughly 50 years ago, it was at 380. And now it's at 34,000. How crazy is that, dude? That is some um, compounding growth. Um, in that yeah. numbers? <laughs> Do what? Is that Bitcoin numbers? They're putting up Bitcoin numbers. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, no, but I do have an answer. In 2021, Microsoft and Intel both joined the Dow. That checks out. It sounded like it should be, at least. Yeah. Intel, Intel about to lose. Well, yeah, we'll see what happens to Intel, but I should have had that answer a little bit better in my head on where Microsoft is out. But Microsoft is up just year to date as, you know, a normal Dow Jones company, almost 46%. So perfect, right? 
<laughs> six, seven months, uh, and up 46%. And it may go up if it smashes through earnings with more information on OpenAI and what they're doing. So I really hope they kill earnings today. That'd be great after the belt. Mm. Yep. That would be nice. I'd say it's a good chance they do. But, you know, what do I know? Quarter to quarter, who knows? Who knows how it goes? Yeah, it could work. I do trust in a little bit more of Microsoft's leadership. Plus, they've got things like Azure. Azure? I don't know how to say it. A-Z-U-R-E. Azure? That's it. Azure. Is it Azure? That's it. Microsoft Azure? Um, Yeah. So they're killer out, which is going to be another money printing thing for their business. So I hear from folks that that is the best platform to use for development purposes, by the way. Really? Yes. I hear from folks who actually do development that it is better than AWS and better than Snowflake and better than other cloud service partners. Wow. Sounds like great. It's a little bullish. Like bullish, bullish as well. Yeah, Microsoft is actually uh, all-time highs. Yeah, it is down a little bit from where it just crossed all-time highs, but they passed their 2021 uh, number. Yeah, until you know this month or in the last five weeks or so was that all-time high. So, I mean, if you're bullish on Microsoft and you still think it can climb up, then clean it. I think I think it can work, but yeah. So we got those earnings this week. We've got some others. Um, Amazon is I want to say August third, and a few other big ones will kind of be playing out. But we have, and this is what I want to talk to you pretty heavily about: Dow Jones, I owns. You have Exxon Mobil and AT and T both reporting this week. I do not feel confident in either of those companies. To report something that would make it bump up. Well, there's. I was going to hammer on this because you know, in, in previous episodes, I've talked about Verizon as a as a dividend stock. Yeah, it's familiar with the big issue that has hit the telecoms recently. Correct. The lead, the lead, uh, lead coated fiber optics. Yeah, expound on that for our listeners. Great. So. Uh, Shoot, dude, there's too much time conversion in my head. At some point before this podcast was released, there was a news article that came out uh, that hinted. Now, this was pretty unsubstantiated. I think it was a Washington Post article, might have been New York Times, came out saying that AT&T and other uh, providers had lead-coated fiber optics inside of... um, they're under underground, you know, for their infrastructure build out. Uh, the story came because AT&T had been involved with some people out in Lake Tahoe. Uh, and Lake Tahoe was making claims that there was lead leaking, yada, yada. And so AT&T agreed on a very small micro scale that they would replace the lead fiber optics around Lake Tahoe with, with new fiber optics. And then somebody... Uh-huh on that and was like, oh, AT&T is going to do this across the U.S. They're screwed. There's going to be a big issue. Right. Uh, now, since that has happened, that obviously hit all of the telecoms. I mean, all the telecoms got smoked. Rising. Which, yeah. was, which was kind of sucky. And nobody really knows. Nobody knows how much of the infrastructure build out between those companies is actually lead-coated. More importantly, 
nobody knows if it's actually a big deal. Um, I've been doing a lot of reading on it. It doesn't look like any regulations were skipped over whenever they did it. There were no issues with reporting. There were no issues with uh, maintenance. Uh, it was literally just AT&T didn't want to deal with the Lake Tahoe crew. And they were like, whatever, fine. It's not a big deal. We'll just deal with it. And now it's blown up. So since then, AT&T has come out and said they are actually going to weed the lead-coated stuff at Lake Tahoe and not fulfill that replacement plan. They're going to leave it in place for regulatory testing. Um, so it looks like all this stuff is going to go to a, a lawsuit across the board. Uh, at least they're preparing for it. And they're leaving that in place to be kind of ground zero of, is it actually leaking there? If not, we don't have to do anything. Screw you. So the AT&T earnings... I think are going to be a lot less important than what management says expectation wise around rebuilding the infrastructure. Um, I do not think if that infrastructure has to be rebuilt and those companies go under, I think it's a really, really, really devastating impact for the United States. I think that the government will end up having to step in and, and almost make like a FDIC type insurance payout to those companies to do the rebuild um, because we can't live without that infrastructure. We can't. Yeah. I, they they own us. Um, and so there's a lot to it, but I'm still trinkling in a little bit into Verizon. It definitely adds a little bit of a scary element to to that investment thesis. But uh, wow, the telecoms. So I, I think, I don't know what the earnings are going to be like. I don't know why you're worried about earnings for Exxon. I think they're still probably going to be okay. I imagine they have a lot of forward um, forward futures contracts that they're still selling probably pretty high. I wouldn't say that Exxon is going to have a bad earnings call until, I don't know, maybe end of the year. Um, yeah, I can give some more detail to that. Yeah, on the that. Side. That's telecoms. Tell me why Exxon's bad. Well, I want to hit both. I'll give you Exxon first. Exxon shot up dramatically, right, in 2020. So it climbed like a rock, and then it got to all-time highs October of 2022. A lot of people were even putting more money into Exxon and other oil and gas companies for dividend plays only. So the stock itself really shot up. And in my eyes, from you know earnings per share where it was, I see it as overvalued. Um, especially because the dividend itself, it was about it was a double digit dividend in 2020, and it's 3.52% today. A lot of people have been moving out of Exxon. So I've been tracking volume and trading volume, everything. And I see that because 3.52% isn't fantastic. But a lot of these people jumped in at good times, especially during 2020, and got basically a growth-like stock that just kept going up, especially in 2022. So they didn't want to get out then. But now as the stock market continues to increase, we may get some better of a rebound. Exxon's at 3.52 and has a way to potentially drop the, you're right, earnings, the forecast, maybe future contracts will be pretty good, but I don't think it justifies what it, it's 105, per share right now. It's super, super overvalued. It's 430 billion market cap. I don't think it's much smaller than that, but I, I think that right now it's, not the price that you want it to be at. So, so mentally, if you're an investor and you got in while it was an 11% dividend yield, why would you let go today unless the dividends are going to get cut, right? Just because today it's a 3% dividend yield, that just means if you buy in today, 
why would anybody holding on to it sell if the dividends are the same? They're still getting their 11% on whatever they had paid in. Do you think that there's an incentive for them to sell until dividends get cut? Which dividends? Dividends have been cut. They'll get cut. They have, they have been cut. Yeah. Yeah. On Exxon. Yep. That's a problem then. Uh-huh. Expectation with oil and gas. You know, like it's been happening this year, right? Oil and gas are vol- volatility dividend plays exactly. Like when oil and gas is up, you're going to get a great dividend. And when it's down, it's going to yeah. be good. But I mean, that that stock and that dividend, right? If you put 100K into it in 2020, what did, what did it grow? I'm going to show you, shock you with some numbers. Okay. If you put 100 grand in it in 2020, uh, it would have dropped 221%. So you'd be at like 300 something thousand dollars while getting a double digit dividend for a good chunk of that over a two year period, which is, well, almost three year period, which is great, right? All of these old people or retirees, I say old people, people can get dividend plays whenever they want, but they're just ecstatic because they think, yes, I got it. I figured it out and I got the dividend. So I'm pretty set. Uh, with whatever position they had. But the dividend cuts hurt, right? Because then you start moving from the big players like Chevron and Exxon, who have had those dividend cuts because their price just went through the roof more than they probably even thought. And then they move to, you know, Shell, Valero, Enterprise, all these other oil and gas companies that will have stronger dividends and not as much growth in them. So a lot of investors would diversify into different oil and gas companies is my opinion. I don't, I haven't tracked data to see if that's actually the case, but that being said, I still think Exxon's overvalued for where it's currently at. I don't think the numbers and revenue that they currently have right now would justify 105, 106 price, but we'll see. Could be totally wrong. And, uh, at and Verizon, this is what I was going to hit on. AT&T is at a, uh, price right now that we haven't seen since 1993. I don't know if you realize that. I know it that it's People don't buy it for the price, but for it to be the same value that it was in 1993, with only a 7.5, let's say, percent dividend, which isn't crazy. Like it's a great dividend, but you're not you're not really writing home too much about it. You're right. There is a lot about management and then announcements on what may even happen with Lake Tahoe, right? More so than, oh, revenue forecasts and what we're going to beat on our estimates, et cetera. And I still think it's going to take a hit because it just has, it's kind of like, I don't know, when everything else in the market is kind of going great and there's one thing that we get hate on or focus on, I feel like it's just going to, it's going to take all that interesting psychological look at it um whether it's justified or not i know you just got to think of the market cycle that at&t and verizon are in you know they're in a market cycle where growth doesn't matter anymore they're just returning capital back to shareholders and um how long can they do that as long as their infrastructure matters and how long is their infrastructure going to matter until somebody else figures out how to build a way around it and the only person that's even close is uh, Elon with SpaceX, is satellite infrastructure, but still that that infrastructure is barely able to service middle of nowhere towns. There's no way the bandwidth exists to service New York City. Um, no, correct. So it's a ways off. It's a ways off. I think they have a good runway of time to return. No, they have a huge moat, but they'll never buy SpaceX 
in my opinion. No, no, no way. No. Then they, I don't think they could either, but probably not. Their, their moat is indestructible. Yeah. They're just going to hold on and return shareholder cash. And yeah, if you get a return at seven and a half percent for the rest of your life as a retiree, yeah, you can dump money in there. But yeah, here's the thing. I think you, I know technical analysis is just mumbo jumbo, which it kind of is. But just saying that the company is the same value as it was in 1993 is kind of silly. And I think the price will still fall, especially after earnings this week. Uh, but that being said, price will fall. I think that's 7.52 jumps in dividend yield, what they're going to offer. And I think getting in around this time period, if you love dividends, is super yeah, advantageous. Yep. We'll see that right now. We continue to dollar cost average in and you get the higher yield as it goes down. Yeah. I don't I don't foresee unless things go bad with the lead infrastructure, I don't foresee a way that they stop paying their dividend or cut their dividend. You know? No. No, not at all. I, I agree completely. It's like it's basically like buying a bond. And yeah, the bond can go down in value, but if you don't plan on selling it, and it's like who cares? Right. In my money. Yeah. So very interesting one. That Verizon's one I had in my notes to talk about. So it's it's interesting that that we got to that. Really? Yep. 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 And yep. Look at us. Look at us double teaming Verizon and ATT like that. So anyway, I'm looking for not necessarily a price target to jump in, but because I think getting in now, even if it falls another ten percent, is still smart. Because you're getting seven plus dividend. And it's going to keep increasing because they need more people to pour more money into it so they can not necessarily jump in price, but they need to get more stable for sure. So they broke through that floor. So this is the mumbo jumbo of technical analysis. They broke through it pretty hard. So it could keep dropping like a rock. But I think getting in now, if you're fine with just growing X percentage of dividend portfolio at 7 plus percent, it's pretty smart. So, well, I also think that there's this investment mindset that I'm slowly shedding from myself, which is the one that it's like, when you're going to get into a stock, you need to get your full allocation into that stock, right? Like if you're saying it's time to get into AT&T, maybe it's time if you want to get that dividend. Sometimes what that can imply to people is like, oh, I have 10,000 to invest in a dividend stock. I'll just go ahead and invest 10,000 in AT&T right now. Um and I'm learning very much so that that is not the way you should operate. We've talked about the cash flow pyramid personally. Maybe when I get published, we'll talk about it um, on the pod. But yeah, you should just be having cash flow generation that that just you can flow into that over time. And you don't yeah. have to buy one at once and you don't have to worry about like the psychological chaos of it going down and you feel like you're losing. Um, there's There's ways around doing it wrong. Yeah, I think doing it wrong would be dumping all your money into it right now. I think that even if the stock went up, putting all of your money into one stock, I don't care what stock or whatever allocation you have. Right, it. it is. I putting 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 all of the money that you want allocated to it into it at one time is wrong. Um, I think that even if it goes up the day after earnings, it still was a wrong decision. So, anyway, yeah. Well, to shift gears here a little bit. And you might hate this or love it. I have the opportunity of a lifetime. The investment opportunity 
of a life. Are you ready? Go with it. I need you to look up this ticker symbol because you're just, I need to just give it to you this way. B-B-B-Y-Q. The Bed Bath & Beyond. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Trading at right now. What are you looking at? 30 cents. Yeah. And in like 2013, it was $80 a share. Yeah. They caught by this stock. They filed for bankruptcy. Mm hmm. So did bye bye, baby. Okay. Do not buy this stock. Okay. Oh, are you telling people? Wait, I thought you said this is the opportunity of a lifetime. Is yeah, that is not buy a stock? I'm not telling you to buy the stock. I'm bringing up the company. And I started with the stock to make you think I was going to talk about the stock. Okay. It's worthless. But they hold the most commercial square footage out of any company that's filed for bankruptcy in the last X, XX years. Wild. They have the opportunity, when you have the opportunity, to create a business that needs air conditioning and prime real estate for pennies on the dollar. I'm going to walk you through this one thing. Wait, do they I own it or do they lease it? The Bed Bath & Beyond? Oh, they lease it. Okay. But they have lease contracts set up for whatever. So they're subleasing. Or if they do own specific properties, which is rare, you can lease it from them. But I have a friend who started a business. And the business is finding these Bed Bath & Beyonds. And if it's rented out at, I don't know, three, four dollars a square foot, he's getting them five cents a square foot. Interesting. Now to be profitable as a company or a business, figure it out. But he is getting these spots at just screaming deals compared to where they were. I think the five cents was maybe like one time. I, I want to say like you may have exaggerated slightly, but that is stupid. Because they are just, I don't know, they're filed for bankruptcy. They're in shutting down period for an X number of months. I don't think it would last forever. They would hold this lease for, for like a year. For like a year, it's going to be a lease that's getting no payments on it or more. Right. Like two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what kind of business can you do that is a one-year lifetime business that you can just real, that, that you need that space with AC? Um that you don't need licenses for, that you could start today. You see where I'm going with this? I see where you're going. I'm thinking. I'm I'm definitely thinking. I want you to think on it for a second, and I'll walk you through what I think should happen. First off, you need to know the Bed Bath & Beyond that where you're at. You kind of have to play the demographics, right? Super suburban neighborhood, kind of have to do the business that way. If it's more downtown S, you can reach a younger demographic, you can do something there. But something that can constantly, I don't know, be profitable would be creating a quote-unquote co-working space, in my opinion. Okay. Now, you can mix in a ton of stuff with this, right? But if you created a co-working space that 
then converted other vendors to pay you a certain amount of money because you locked up the lease and they can, you know, sell whatever products they want. You can create a tiny mini mart, mini mall of like coffee shops, of, you know, clothes, what, whatever, random stuff inside of these little bed, bath and beyonds. And then you're generating income because everybody's looking for an AC commercial square footage that they can work out of. The co-working. I don't know if this is a good idea or not. I just know that he, he won't tell me exactly what he's buying the leases or subleases for, but this is kind of where I'm thinking you can convert it to anything. What I'm thinking is like, so COVID introduced a insane amount of online retail hobby businesses uh-huh. as part of her women's clothing boutique goes to these things. They call it, they just call it market. It's like this weird thing that women have. They're just like, I'm, I'm going to market. Market is usually just a thing that's like at a high school gymnasium or some outside venue. And it is all these people who have these online hobby businesses. I make rugs, I make soap, I make muffins, I sell clothes, whatever it is. And they all just post up. And it's exactly what you're kind of talking about, which is like a mini market, like a mini mall. And they all pay. You just tape out little square square areas that are even, and they all pay for their little like taped out square area. Um, you could just have that running in every town, full stop, and yeah, not have to do anything. And then they just have a place. Nobody. So Megan's online sales have fallen dramatically, while her in person market sales are are going way up because people out of COVID now are they want to go shop and they want to go try and close. They want to go like they want to go and be out. Um. I think that you could just go to all of the online areas that are in a specific city, like Midland, Texas. You could just like go to Midland, Texas online, like Instagrams or something and just invite them and it would be easy money. I really think it would be easy money. I think you're right. I mean, that's one of the worst ideas, but I just thought of that one today, right before the podcast, because I was talking to him about the opportunity or whatever you could build inside of these little spaces, right? Cause you're getting air conditioning, which for the rest of America, we love you listening to this podcast. It's like one Oh five every day. Texas. You need it. Yeah. Yeah. You do need it for, and it probably smells, smells good, dude. Bed, bath and beyonds. They're going to smell good for the rest of time. I mean, yeah. you already have worked in scent control and AC. I'm in, I'm in. Yep. I don't I don't even know what we find. I think I'm like your buddy. I'm just like, let's just go, let's go get in our contract and then figure out what to do. It's awesome. No, hundred percent. I think there's just a bunch of ideas that you can have in here. And for, I don't know, we don't have a lot of listeners, but you know, 32 million thousand, hundred million listeners that we do have. If you've got ideas, reach out and say, Hey, I need to talk to the guy that has the leases or, just find them yourself. Be resourceful. You can uh, easily find but, the contacts. Yeah. Or the bed, bath, and beyond right next to your house. And you know what I love? Let me let me give one more pitch here. This yeah. is on this is on Dylan. Dylan's obsessed with cars and he has like a little car app that he's built called Carcade. You should download it and check it out. It's fun. It's like an asset management tool for car enthusiasts, like car show stuff. Anyway, 
there's this new thing that people are starting to try to do, which is a communal car garage because they don't have room at their garages to park their really fancy cars. If you have 15 cars, you don't have room to park at all. Yeah. It's, I hate that problem. it's like a, it's like a storage unit for your fancy cars. Um, and you could use that for your bed, bath and beyond and have it like a showroom floor and every car has its own little parking spot and they can walk in and look at everybody's cars and take theirs out for a spin if they want. Then it's just like, it's just like a parking lot that costs money. That's oh. not bad because you know, you're parking for the mall. So your car doesn't get hot. Just literally make it a parking lot inside. <laughs> I mean, you got to probably do a lot to it in order to do that. But I mean, that could work. You just got to paint lines, I guess. Indoor parking. Yeah. Oh, no, but, lines. Oh, yeah. But for the Ferrari or Lamborghini and somebody wants to showcase it, you could build it out really nice and spend a ton of money to maybe do this if this is your cup of tea. Those people that would store their Lamborghini aren't going to think twice about spending 7000 a month. No, not even. Probably double what the entire lease costs. And probably 10% of what they spend on upkeep in a year on it. I mean, it's like, it's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. So if you built it out, that's a pretty good idea. You built out a, a store your... Uh, super nice, fancy car here. And we've got glass boxes, bulletproof glass boxes that they'll stay behind. And people can just come look at your car. And when yeah. you need to use it, you just come grab it, use it, whatever. Yep. And you just take it to like, I mean, the I, I'm just thinking of the Midland Bed Bath & Beyond. There's so much money in Midland and so little stuff like that for those guys to take advantage of that it's like, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, I, I agree completely with you. I think not in like an Austin, Texas or somewhere. Um, but in Midland, like a Midland and a Beaumont and like random places where there's big money, but yeah, not things, not nice things, not nice things. That's a good idea. So anyway, we'll spitball that one a little bit more. I thought, I mean, this guy kind of hit it on the head and this would be pretty good. I just want to see, you know, the different ideas that can actually occur. So I'll spitball that one a little bit more but to stay on cars um do you see what fiat released no we're gonna you too guess how many cars across the u.s this car company sold in q2 i don't even have a range of numbers like fifteen thousand per dealership and i don't know 10 i don't know like a couple hundred thousand maybe i don't know a million a hundred and forty-four. Fiat had a hundred and one hundred and forty-four cars were sold in Q2 by Fiat. That is disgusting. That is horrible. That is less than two cars per day. I'm pretty sure like Ferrari sells more than that. And they like don't sell a lot of cars. Like they just are built to not do that. That's crazy. That's bad. That bad, bad, bad. That's like out of business bad. That is out of business bad because the marketing spend, I see their commercials on them. Yeah. They're dead. They're more than dead. This is the worst company ever. Did they drop like a rock on that? It's Fiat Chrysler. Do what? Fiat Chrysler. Uh, isn't, isn't it? What are they? That is just, that is just bad. That is bad, right? 
Yeah. It's fcau.vi. I can't even pull it up in my stocks. I'm sure it's dead. I mean, that's miserable for them to report that. And then you have companies like Tesla that reached a trillion dollar value or almost trillion dollar valuation that are just cleaning up with brand and everything else. Yep. Well, good grief, man. If you bought a Fiat in Q2, you're one of the, I mean, rarest individuals of all time. Like, Go buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. I, I've seen Fiat's in Austin. Like, yeah. in there. Like, I didn't think that it was dead. But nobody is is buying a Fiat, which is crazy, crazy to me. Those numbers, that's drastic. 144 in a quarter. It is bad. That is so, so bad. I would have figured they're like a worldwide brand and had dealerships all over the world. And like, you know, they're selling in the UK and Italy. Oh, no, no, no. This is the US. I don't know. Oh, this is just US sales. Oh, okay. Okay. Just US. Still, that's bad though. Like, even if no, it's just. That is, yeah, that is terror. Okay. Produce US sales. There's 300 million people in this country, right? Yeah. For them to sell 144. Uh, anyway, if you think Fiat is a great stock to short, this is an investment advice, but to whatever you want with wow. this information. Hey, speaking of Tesla and branding and being great at branding, how do you feel about Twitter becoming X? Oh man, you hit on the last thing. Man, we're we're good. We're in <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't like it. I don't. I'm I'm gonna miss Twitter. I'm gonna miss Twitter. I I hate it immensely. And, and I also saw the tweet Elon did. I was like, Courtney, because she does graphic design and logos. You should do it. And if you get it, it's crazy. Look at all that exposure. And she said, no, nah, that's the dumbest thing. And then she what? just roasted the X that Elon picked and everything else too. She's like, this is terrible. It's bad. X, E-T, I'm not a Zeter. Is that what it is? A Zet? I don't know, man. I, I have no idea. Like when you, yeah. So tweet, you Z. I have no idea. It's it's all so confusing and awful and bad and clearly just off the cuff. So clearly off the cuff. And I think he's doing it to piss off Zuckerberg. You think? Because I would that piss off Meta owns the trademark to X for anything related to social media. Really? Yes. What? How? Before. I, know. I saw that tweet by Morning Brew that had Meta's ownership of that copyright of just X. Mm. That's stupid. Elon, Elon is, you know, everybody always thinks he's the genius mastermind of the entire world and he acts with emotion and stupidity more often. If he did not buy Twitter, I think we would still give him over the top hero status, but he's kind of dug himself into a hole. He's not, yeah. my, not my hero. Um, now, well, I'm saying he's not mine either. I'm saying he was like applauded in 2021. He was everybody. Thought he was the genius and everything that he did was on purpose. It's like, no, not everything he does is on purpose. He just kind of lucks his way. Once you have money, sometimes money comes to you. Um, I, uh, I do like the idea though. Did you see that there will be a profit share for people that view your profile? No. Oh, I'm like, yo, I'm going to do like, I might tweet 
nudes on my profile go check it out like every day just <laughs> go to you go go check it yeah. out family friendly buddy uh, all i need or- all i need is somebody to just click on my profile and i get a few a few micro cents i'm in i'm so in you saw people paychecks not too long ago right like last last month i think they everybody was posting how much twitter paid them yeah there was some big numbers out there i was like yeah. man i think they were doing that to get off of threads but speaking of that i don't think he needed to do the x thing because nobody's on threads threads is not not going to make it ngmi i have i went on for five seconds when it first came out because somebody posted on twitter their threads link and i went on there and i've not been back on since i've not yeah. opened it i'm pulling it open again i haven't done anything on it in days but i think it's like you got lululemon sneaker news you've got all these other guys that have done stuff that i follow just brands yeah brands that had to do it brands that had to do it and pay somebody to do it but there's no real people that are actually on there doing it themselves i'm sure no it's like uh what's a good one like sampar he went on he's got tons and tons of followers his like his last activity was a week ago yeah i mean this is this is bad I think Zuck is going to be obviously a little hurt because brands themselves, they'll just be on it because it's their job, right? All these consumers are... They have to. Like, it was like, a, it was like as soon as it came out, it was like, okay, time to integrate another social media. Like, Oh, yeah, but I mean, they're posting stuff today, like 30 minutes ago. Yeah, they don't have a choice. And... They're, they're like paying people. They're like paying social media consultant firms to post on every single thing, you know? And... Yeah, just to drive this engagement or that, but... They get I was in a complete reversal in threads. And yeah. I think it's dead. I think it just, it was like Clubhouse. Which, dude, freaking Twitter is a cockroach that you cannot kill. Like, it is, it loses money left and right. But it is the size that it, it has 100 million users. Which is crazy. Yep. And they just can't monetize it super well. But at least people are using it, which is awesome yep i'm using it it's the only one i'm active on i'm not active anywhere else i'm just active on twitter yeah you've been getting some responses i was gonna ask you about that you have some dms meet people here and there i actually i'll I'll share this story in a second but i do want to hear you kind of cover this if you want with the conversation you had with clint on twitter yeah yeah do you want me to cover it now i do as much as you want to share, because I know it's well. There's amazing opportunity yeah. in the in the SMB marketplace. You and I both know that SMB buyers. There's um, there's a crap ton of them. Everybody thinks that it's the thing to do now to buy buy a small business. And before, uh, like like the SBA is rolling out a new rule, right? Everybody uses SBA loans, SBA seven A loans to purchase these things. The SBA issued a new rule, which was if somebody was going to keep equity. So if you were only going to do a partial buyout of a business, you went to somebody and they're like, I want to keep 10%, whatever, um, or or even a seller note that's that's equity related. Uh, the rule became they had to sign a personal guarantee along with you, right? So somebody that was going to keep equity on the side, 10% equity in their business, now all of a sudden they're personally on the line as much as you are at 90% and it's going to kill every deal. Nobody's stupid enough to be like, I will 
I will sign this personal guarantee. I will keep you, Connor, who I don't know, in charge of the business, running the business, and you control my fate. If you fail, I am personally liable for this business. No way. Um, so all those deals are going to die. So the course gets on. Yeah. Huh? The partial sales. Yes, which there's a lot of them because that's been what people are doing. It's like a it's like a way to structure deals to get people, yeah. people out, right? So um Clint is, you know, everybody on SB Twitter is posting about this. It's like a big deal. It's a it's a big change. A lot of people who make their money off of there's a lot of people on Twitter who make their money off of encouraging you to do SMB deals, right? There's attorneys, hey. people with connections at banks that get bank fees, like all kinds of people, and they're freaking out because they're like, oh, this is gonna kill a lot of my pipeline. So Clint posts, we got to solve this problem, right? He's a broker. He's getting fees off of these closed deals. He needs them to close. He says, we need to solve the problem and fill in the gap for what the SBA is doing. And so I just hit him up and was like, hey, and I've I've gone back and forth with him with tons of things. I, I email him all the time, um, DM him. I mean, he's somebody that I've been talking to since November of last year. Um, right. I was just like, hey, I have an empty investment company. Why don't we just start like a, the concept was like, why don't we just start a credit a credit fund, um, and have a bunch of people put in money. And there's a lot of smart SMB buyers here who have the capital to fund it and want to be a part of that. Like, and they, they know what's a good deal and what's a bad deal. So give them a position on investment committee or on a board and let's just run this thing. Right. And, and fill in that gap. And he said he was down. So, uh, I know he was on vacation. I haven't emailed him this week, but I'm going to email him this week to follow up on that. And who knows, man, maybe we get a little credit fund going and so give me an example of how it would work. Like person A, Bob has a business, he sells 90% of the business to Steven. Steven gets 90, he retains his 10, but they're both liable. What would this credit fund do to help support that? Uh, this credit fund would just replace the traditional SBA, SBA note, which is, so you bought 90% of the business from Bill, he's gonna keep 10. As part of that purchase, you need a million dollar loan. Back in the day, you would just go to the SBA, you get a million dollar loan, you'd be the personal guarantee on it. Bill wouldn't have to sign a personal guarantee or anything, you'd be 10% owner in the company, right? He's not responsible for the note. Now he's responsible for the million dollar note, equally responsible for the million dollar note as you are. So he's like, no way. I'm not I'm not signing up for a million dollars of debt and only keeping 10% of the company. So what this credit fund would do is it, would one, it, it would just give you the million dollar note with the personal guarantee and not not make the other guy liable. Um, and so what the expertise comes into is now it's like, okay, you need an SBA person to come in or somebody that understands small business purchases, somebody like a Clint and his buddy that's all, his buddies all on Twitter and say, hey, um, is this a good company that can survive, right? Have you seen these fail before? Uh, and is this a person that can run it? Have you seen people like this succeed? And if those two answers are yes, make the loan, right? And you, and now we get to name our interest rate. We don't have to match the SBA. We can do whatever we want because the SBA is, uh, I think it's prime plus three, usually prime plus three to prime plus five. So interesting. Um, it's, it's variable note. And so yeah. we can do prime plus 10 or whatever we wanted. I mean, I wouldn't do that. And maybe we would match the SBA. Um, but it, it, or we could match the SBA or what I think might be interesting that I might propose to Clint is do, um, like a prime plus seven or a prime plus eight, but a certain percentage of that, 
accumulates until the note is paid off and turns into equity at the end of the note. So there's like a partial. Yeah, but you would have you would have a lot of people applicants push back on that. Why? They don't want to give up equity. Yeah, definitely not. But they want the loan to make the deal happen. So it's like, do you want the money or not? So what you do, I think what you do is you just tell them, hey, we'll give you a portion that's paid in cash monthly and a portion that rolls into equity down the road. And So would the credit firm also then be the same firm that would control the equity? Or is it just a note that says, hey, the equity has to go to this entity? No, it would it would it would also get the equity. That's how they the firm would build up value. I think would build up actual asset value. Um, so you have a loan out. It's at eleven percent. Seven percent is being paid in cash. Four percent is accumulating to an eventual convertible. After five years, that note's paid off. That four percent that's accumulated over time turns into five to ten percent equity of the business. And so it's not like you own a portion of it that's like going to be significant, but you definitely get equity upside moving forward. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I love this idea. I think it's huge. What are the odds that the SBA goes back and says, so sorry. Yeah. We're not getting anyone that wants to do partial transact or partial sales. Like what if they go back on that rule and decide they'll continue to do it? Yeah. Opportunity's dead. Uh, I don't know what the probability of that is. Everybody on Twitter seems to think it's very low, and that this is. I think it's very low. I don't I mean, see anytime soon they would go back on it. I've seen Matthias. What is, that's his name? Whatever. Uh, he he does SBA lending. He's a broker. He basically brokers loans. Yeah. Um, I've seen him post screenshots of banks coming back, backing out of deals now because they're like, "Hey, this eventual SBA, this isn't going to fly." So, sorry, deals that have been in the you know been in the works for months. So what would be what would be the competition to this credit holding company? Other private lenders, right? Which are who? Are there big names or anything? And no other funds. Hard money lenders, private lenders. I don't think there's. I don't think there's a lot of name to it, and that's why this deal would be so interesting. Is because there's already the Twitter marketplace for this. Everybody would come to it. Everybody. There's what? There's the big. There's the big what? Big distribution. See ya, dog. Big D. And I don't have to do anything. I'm not going to ask for a lot out of this. It's basically like, hey, I want like uh, some small percent of the fund ownership and some kind of management fee. And I'm just going to distribute the cash and handle the taxes. Like I'm just going to be the fund administrator. That's it. Okay. Then everybody can make the investment decisions and all that crap. But I mean, there's ample opportunities for you don't have to go a mile deep. You can go a mile wide. If you're being the financing place and you have the distribution, you're getting a ton of people that are going to come to you with like, hey, here's the business I want to do, blah, blah, blah. Can we make it work? Right? A lot of times, those buyers will need due diligence stuff. Right? Yep. Now you go to due diligence firms, and then you can set up a huge affiliate fee and then just collect there. Or I can just work as the diligence. I mean... I could get well, you can do the diligence yourself. And the diligence person and perform the diligence and and make a report that the investment committee likes and is standardized for them. And then it's like, great. They just have to meet once a week, review the deals, whatever they want to execute on. I write a check and then I maintain the taxes and make sure that everything flows right. So 
it's an interesting opportunity. I think that if if Clint's really interested in it, we can push it out on Twitter and probably get it funded with a decent amount very quickly. Yeah. What are you trying to get to number wise? I have no clue. I think that you probably need to expect between five hundred thousand and a million per loan. So if you want a hundred loans, you probably need a hundred million. There you go. And then you collect. Here's the question. Would people like Matias or other lender or whatever get really upset? Maybe not. Would they be like, oh, I I don't want to take, you know, bring you business because that gets away all the lending relationships I have with these banks or whatever. Well, I think that the banks, obviously, he can't take that business too because it won't work. So if we just pay a fee as well. No. Nope. Okay. Nobody yeah. doing it. Okay. I think it's great. Great business model. It, it's phenomenal. You've got a lot going for it. And Twitter is the best because it's only possible because of Twitter. Twitter is power. Twitter yeah. is power. So. Well, we'll end on that super high note. Everyone's super excited to get outside in the heat and try to survive this summer. But just remember, it's not as hot as outside as it is with Braden James on anything he works on. Braden James is hot, everybody. He gets it done. That's all we got for y'all. Shout out. Thank you.